Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verse 2 through 8a, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verse 1 through 8, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 9, verse 35 through chapter 10, verse 8, and Psalm 100. God, grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. So for the past 10-ish years... I have been working with someone called a spiritual director. Now, this is very religious, my friends. Like, if you thought that I was already a very religious guy because of what I do for a living and where and how I dress and where I work, let me tell you, I have a spiritual director. Whole other level. It's like a therapist for prayer, okay? You go to this person and you're like, I'm a terrible prayer. And they're like, no, we know. Let's talk about it. And then you go through it together and you pray together and you contemplate. Um, But uh, first of all, uh, spiritual direction is a thing that is um, available to you if it's something you would like. There are wonderful spiritual uh, directors in our area and and we can connect you with one. Um, But uh, I don't, but don't look at me as an example of what like success don't, that won't help you at all in this story. But I've been working uh, for a while, on and off, actually. I, I don't, I'm not very consistent, but when we go in waves, I've been working with the same uh, gentleman for a little over 10 years with spiritual direction. And when I began working with him, he, he started to ask me a question every time that we spoke. He'd say, okay, Philip, since the last time that we spoke, where did you see God? And the thing is, he'd asked this question, and I knew he was going to ask it, which meant it's like having homework. It's like spiritual homework. Because if you know that you're going to meet someone and they're going to say, where have you seen God since the last time we met? You start racking ideas up. You start looking around. You start looking for God. It's a little bit like when you decide you want a new car and then you start seeing that car everywhere on the street, right? Or if you want, like, you, there's a new haircut you're thinking about. That doesn't apply to me, but to others of you. Um, and you go, oh, you start seeing that haircut everywhere you look. If you start to just think, I've got to tell someone where I've seen God lately, you, this strange thing happens. You start looking for God. Now, my spiritual director is a smart guy. Uh, he doesn't let me get away with anything. So one of the things that he would tell me when I would have to report back to him is he'd say, by the way, you have to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Don't sit there and think about it for a while. You know how we can all sit because we're all very clever people and we can sort of think about the answer that will make us look the best, that will make us look the most spiritually aware and gifted and woke. We go, if I say this, he'll really know how deep I am. So he wouldn't allow for that. I'd have to answer right away or he'd be like, you're stalling. So he'd ask me this question, Philip, where did you see God since the last time we met? And I'd answer some places that I saw. And then we'd talk about it. Very simple, very simple. The opportunity to see God present in the world. And I'll never forget one time he asked me this question. 
And because of the discipline of answering very quickly, I answered something that I didn't really know what the implications of it were. I have a daughter who's now 12 years old. At the time that we began working, she was two years old. And he asked me the question, where have you seen God since the last time we spoke? And I said, because I had to do this discipline, right, of speaking without really, like, trying to plan the perfect answer. I said, uh, well, earlier this week, my daughter was playing this game with me, and she stood up on the bed, and she fell backwards for me to catch her. And I don't mean she did, like, the, the corporate trust fall, where she was like, you got me? Wait, do you got me? Do you got me? I mean, she, like, flung herself backwards, and I was like, whoa, I got gotcha. you. Okay, whoo, gotcha, right? I said, that's where I saw God. I saw God in her throwing herself in my arms. I listed a couple other places that I'd seen God, and then my spiritual director came back to that one. And he asked me a question that maybe some of you are asking or thinking as well. He said, so I assume in that story you saw God in the way that you caught your daughter. Like you saw God as the one who catches you when you fall. Except that is not where I had seen God in that story. And I surprised myself because I'm, I was not trying to be thoughtful or interesting. I just, that's not where I saw God. I said, no. I saw God in my daughter throwing herself into my arms. It sounded a little bit like that. That was a moment for me where my faith began to be transformed because my understanding of what having faith began to change in that realization. You and I spend so much of our spiritual energy, to whatever degree we have any and use it, on thinking about how we are supposed to be faithful. What kind of people are we supposed to be? I'm a priest, you know, so I'll walk down the street wearing this, and some people will just, like, not even want to make eye contact, right? Or when they make eye contact with me, we begin a conversation. It usually starts with them listing, well, you know, it's been this long since the last time I went to church. Or I'm not a very religious person, or I don't pray enough, or I don't do this enough. It's like they're immediately seeing me, and they think, I better let this guy know uh, all the ways that I have shortcomings, which is, I mean, genuinely not one of my favorite things to hear, but that's okay. That's okay. It's natural. It happens. Because we have this mentality that we are, we always have this mentality that we are, um, well, that we're deficient. We make it about us. Throughout summer, we're going to be continuing to listen to the words from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. We studied it for about six or seven months and Bible study this past year, and so now we're going to preach on it throughout the summer as we hear it. And one of the biggest mistakes people make about Romans is they make it about you and how you're supposed to be instead of about God and how God is in your life. We hear this thing about suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope, and we start to make a little checklist of, am I, is that me? Am I doing that right? As if it's, this is the, the template for how you should be faithful. But the reality of Paul's letter is he is not talking about how you are meant to be faithful. Paul 
is talking about how God is faithful to you. And I have come to believe more and more that if I had to distill the good news down to one simple phrase, it would be that God is faithful to you. God is faithful to you. So at the very beginning of the sentence that we heard today, that Ellen read today, we heard from Paul that that he says from the very beginning, since therefore you have been justified through faith and been given access to grace through Jesus Christ. Now right there, I want to stop right there. There's a bunch of religious language there that we just sort of pass over. To be justified means that you have been put in right relationship. To be justified means you have been put into a good relationship with God. You are, right now, you, as you sit here, you are in right relationship with God. Right now. How? Because you're awesome and you've got spiritual directors and you're doing all the work? No. Because God is faithful to you. And God seeks at all times and in all ways to be in relationship with you. For you to experience God's love. We think about faith and we think, if only I had enough faith that I could just fall backwards and land in God's arms. And that's beautiful, I suppose. But I have to tell you, there's something very powerful about thinking of God as the one who joyfully and trustingly throws herself into your arms. What would it be like for you if you believed that God trusted you that much? How would your understanding of yourself and your relationship with God shift if you believed that God trusts you? How might you understand the trials and tribulations of your own life differently if rather than thinking of them as some kind of test you've got to, you've got to, some crucible you've got to perform or endure so that God will know that you are faithful. Instead of that, if you saw God alongside you, suffering with you, sharing with you in your life, faithful to you, This faith thing, friends, this faith thing is not just about the thing that you ought to do so God will know that you are worthy. No. Faith is a two-way street. Faith is about relationship. Faith is about not just one person saying, I believe something. It's about two holding on to each other and showing trust in one another. Where are you seeing God in your daily life? Let me give you a little spiritual direction right now. And it's free, so you get what you pay for, okay? That could be a really open-ended question. You could do a lot with it. 
You could try to think about the places that are so transcendent and amazing you can't imagine, or the places where you all of a sudden believe all the right things or know all the right things. I want you just to put that down for a moment. Where are the places where you feel trusted and loved? Where are the places where someone else is showing their love for you, their faith in you? Where do you see God simply throwing herself into your arms? There's a lot of ways this can go wrong, by the way, because we can immediately go to the place of, what if I screw it up? What if I drop her? This is one of the most important aspects of the Christian message. It's that we did screw up, and God continues to be faithful to us anyway. The good news isn't that you'll never screw up. The good news isn't that you will be perfect. The good news is that God's faithfulness to you and belief in you absolutely overcomes any of your weakness. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My friends, go out into this world and look for God. And the next time you see me, tell me where you saw God. Look for love. Look for the places that build you up. Not pump you up and make you think you're amazing, but the places where you actually sense and acknowledge and realize your own belonging. That's the thing about that moment I had where that little girl just threw herself backwards into my arms. After the initial shock of it and the did I catch her moment, I felt so trusted. I felt so loved. This is what God wants for you. Not to feel like you've got the character because you endured the race and you can prove that you're the toughest, grittiest, faithful person around. But that you might have the eyes to see God alongside you in your suffering and your joy, in your failing and your success that you might know the God who has faith in you and that that faith might give you hope. In Jesus' name.